So let's look at 1 Kings 18 for a moment. You all know the story, I'm sure. Elijah told Ahab to bring all the false prophets up here. So the 10 northern tribes in northern Israel all met up here on Mount Carmel. There were 450 false prophets up here. And Elijah says, the God who answers by fire, he's the real God. And the prophets of Baal, the false god, they thought that uh, Baal controlled the weather and controlled the ecology and so on. And there were terrible abominations being done in our land, child sacrifice on all the high places of Israel. But the days of Elijah are still with us today because you probably have an abortion epidemic in your country just like we do here. So this is a word for us today. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the truth in the, these last days. We ask for your anointing, that specific anointing you had waiting for Danny before the foundation of the world. Lord, help us step into that unique anointing you have for each of us. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Volva in the Russian language. And Lord, I ask you that you would open every heart in this place, every spirit, to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. It says here that Elijah restored the altar of the Lord on Mount Carmel. Now, it says that it had been broken down. The false prophets of Baal had built their own altar and had danced around it all day and nothing had happened. Now, there are false altars all over our land today. And it's not just false religions. If you don't worship the true God, you're worshiping at a false altar. And so nothing happened on the false altar. But Elijah restored the altar of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God. He put the 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But it says it had been broken down. So what does that mean? It means there had been an altar up here. Somebody had been worshiping the true God up here on this mountain before Elijah showed up. But the altar had been forsaken. In fact, the word means it was ruined. The people who had worshipped here. Maybe it was Joshua when he came into the Megiddo Valley. Maybe uh, he sent people up here. Maybe they began worshipping God, the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel up here. Maybe, maybe it was members of the tribe of Asher, whose mountain this, this was part of their inheritance. Whoever it was... At the very place where Elijah challenged the false prophets of Baal, there was a forsaken altar. An altar, a mizbeach in Hebrew. An altar means a place of sacrifice and slaughter where an animal has to die. An altar is a place of covenant. An altar is a place where people would come to a true altar and have a, a, an encounter with the living God. But this altar was neglected. It was unattended. It was ruined. And I, I've wondered, was there weeds growing up around the stones? Were, were there, you know, cockroaches, bugs underneath them? Were, were, there, were there snakes? You know, we used to, we had a fire out here when we'd burn the garbage here, and snakes would come out of this place. But there had been a place 
of true worship. And it was abandoned. And God wasn't there anymore. Very painful sometimes for me when I travel to Europe. There are forsaken altars all across Europe where great moves of God had happened. Where John Wesley preached, who changed England. Or where General Booth preached. And you go there now, and they're mosques. Or they're just, buildings been knocked down. You go and stand at Wales where one young leader cried out to God and the great move of God changed the world. You go there now and there's nothing there. These are forsaken altars. There was a forsaken altar up here. And God wants us to restore the true altar of worship. For us, it happens to be on the mountain where this altar was forsaken. But for you, if you're a visitor... God wants to restore the altar of the Lord in your home. Do you have a personal prayer altar? I, I don't mean you need to build something. I mean, do you have a place where you pray? That's your altar. Do you have a family prayer altar? We, we pray with each other. It's our family prayer altar. We meet with God together. But God wants to restore Altars of the Lord where the fire has begun to fade and, 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 and die. That's why Luann, Danny's wife, started singing prophetically this morning, let the fire fall, let the wind blow, let the glory come down. That wasn't on the song list. That's why they couldn't find anything looking for this. But it was the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And, and, and I have two messages, and it was a confirmation I'm supposed to bring this one. And so God is trying to speak to us. You know, one time uh, my wife and I were somewhere, and uh, we had flown and were tired. But I got up in the morning, and I said, I'm going back to that place. God was moving there. I want to go back to and see that place. So it was early in the morning. I went over to this place, this congregation, to meet where God had been moving some years before. And I came, I came back to where we were staying. And Karen said, how was it? And I said, he's not there anymore. It's so painful. And there, there was, it was obvious why he wasn't there anymore. But an altar had been forsaken where God meets with his people. You know, he's lonely for us. Do you ever think of that? Now, millions of people worship him, but a lot of people that are believers don't spend time at the altar, and he, he misses you. Look at verse 21. 1 Kings 18, 21. We're going back a couple of verses. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. The people were the people of God. They said Adonai. They had knew his name. They said Elohim. But they were worshiping other stuff too, like false gods. And he says, he comes to them and says, this is why I called you all up here. How long are you going to be spiritual cripples? Spending some time with God and some time with other gods. How long are you going to be double-minded? If Elohim is God, if Adonai is God, worship him. Otherwise, go worship your false gods. 
Many years ago, when I was an actor in New York, I went and saw a very interesting play. It was a play, uh, what it was about was about a man that wanted to be famous as a, as a piano player and singer, you know, like Frank Sinatra or something. And the, ma the man played in some tavern and sang songs, and he was mediocre. But one time his wife came home. The guy had been playing his piano in his living room. He had the television on, and he was kneeling down in front of the television set because he was watching somebody sing, and he wanted to be famous, and he wanted to be on television. And I've never forgotten that moment, how that director directed that moment, that he was worshiping his idol. But this, this is to believers. This is to the people of God. These things were written for our instruction or our admonition. And the reason the people were spiritually weak, they would pay lip service to Adonai, but they also had other idols. And so Elijah challenges them and says, either worship him in spirit and truth or go do your own thing, but don't try to play both ends of the street. So back at verse 31, Elijah took the 12 stones, the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom uh, the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. With the stones, he built, Manah. The word is a word for son, Ben. Yeshua is Ben David. He's the son of David. The stones that he built the altar with, what do they mean to us today? We're supposed to be the living stone being built together as the house of God where God sends the fire of his presence so we can be transformed and be like him. That's what a kehalah should be. They were all singing, shlaket ha'esh, send the fire. And so he, he built... It was like he was building a community, a community of God. And as he built it, it says he restored the altar. It means he healed it. In Hebrew, it's the word for doctor. He healed the altar of the Lord that had been diseased. And he built an altar. Verse 32, stones, he built the altar in the name of the Lord, in the character, in the way of the Lord. A place of sacrifice where an innocent victim would be sacrificed and there would be blood. That's what a biblical altar is. When Abraham came over the Golanites, he built them all through the land of Canaan, everywhere he went. After the flood, the first thing Noah did, he built an altar, slaughtered an animal, and he worshiped the Lord. And the Lord says here, there had been an altar, but now, it was neglected. No one was attending to it. Imagine the power of God coming down and people stop going or stop. So he says here, verse 36, came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. When I first moved to this mountain, 
and became very interested in Elijah and finally wrote a book about it. I used to ask the Lord, where did he get that courage? One man against the whole religious establishment? Against the army? Ahab was the head of the army. Against Jezebel, who was killing all the prophets? And it says here, as he prayed, after he had restored the Lord's altar, he says, I have done all these things at your word. Everything he did, he was in communion with God. God told him to do this. God told him to challenge Ahab. He told him when he was living with the widow. He said, confront Ahab and I'll send the rain. That's what he told him. If we want to move in the spirit and power of Elijah, it means getting the word of God and obeying every word he tells us to do, and then he sends the fire. Hallelujah. God tells us to leave New York. Go. He tells you to go to Israel. Go. Tells you, tells you to start a place for drug addicts and alcoholics, for Arabs and Jews, no matter what anybody says. Go and do it. And then, then he shows up because that's what he told us to do. Hallelujah. So look what happens. Verse 37, hear this prophet's heart. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. This is the heart of the prophet. Every prophet is an intercessor. Lord, turn your people's hearts back to you. It was all about reaching the people. All of a sudden, the heavens opened. It must have been awesome to behold. All, all the leaders of the tribes with the standards of Asher and Zebulon and all the different tribes up here, with the little children, with the grandparents, they'd all come up to the mountain, and they'd watch the false prophets all day. N nothing happened. Three o'clock in the afternoon, the time of the evening sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem, he prays this simple prayer. The heavens open. A bolt of fire comes down out of heaven. It hits the altar. There was a bloody animal on it. He had cut up a bull. There was blood all over the stones. He had put wood there. The thing burnt from the top to the bottom. The victim burned up. The animal, the innocent animal. The wood burned up. The water burned up. They'd poured water all over it. The stones burned up. There was nothing left but ashes. Hallelujah. God had returned to Israel. This, this is what we need. For the fire of God, his presence to be manifested in our hearts, in our lives, in our home, in our meetings. I think there was an awesome holy hush on that mountain. Can you... Can you imagine standing there with your kids and you're looking up and this thing comes, this fire, this pillar of fire comes down and the kids are screaming or what are we going to do, daddy? You got your arms around your kids and watch the whole thing burns up from top to bottom. You know what happened? They started to fall on their face. Tribes, tribes. Adonai, who Elohim? Adonai, who Elohim? The Lord, he is God. All across the mountain, the grandfathers, the children, 
the single people, the families falling on their face because the glory of God had come back to an altar that had been neglected and forsaken. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't neglect your altar. Don't abandon the presence of God where you meet with him. One of the places where I pray on the northern end of this mountain, it's a historic place. There's a lighthouse there. For, for many, many years, uh, boats would see the lighthouse and know how to get into the, the port of Haifa. The British drove the Ottoman Empire off that mountain. The, Ir, the Irgun had a battle with British soldiers right there where that lighthouse is. The Irgun, the, the Israeli... Before it was the IDF. Now, now it's a radar station. You go there to pray, and I really get a hold of God there. I love going to this place, or he gets a hold of me. I've had visitations of the Holy Spirit. I dance, I shout, I cry. He's just, I meet with him there. I was there the other day. And when you go there now, you'll find, especially after a holiday, like we just celebrated Yom Hatzmut, Independence Day, you'll see empty beer bottles, empty whiskey bottles, you know, cardboard boxes full of half-eaten food, condoms. And it's at God's altar. All this filth that's happening where I try to pray. And it reminds me of people who have left and deserted their altars. And it opens the door to all of this filth. The Lord wants to make sure that we each have an altar where we meet with God. You have got to run to the Lord and say, restore my covenant altar with you. After God showed up and the people were all on their face, Elijah said, we're not finished. You false prophets, all 450 of you, come here. I got a sword. Ahab, tell these soldiers, we're taking them down to the Kishon, and we're going to get rid of them. Right over there. It was the Torah. He was obeying the word. False prophets were to be cut off from the people of Israel. What does that mean today? We don't go around chopping the heads off of false prophets. But you and I are supposed to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and cut off the false voices that the enemy is trying to say things to us. If you're like this at your television set, and you're not spending time with the Lord, you're at a false altar. You've abandoned the altar of the Lord for something else, something that will pollute you, if you're spending more time on the internet than you are on your knees, you're at a false altar. They got rid of the false prophets. And Jezebel was killing all the true prophets. Brothers and sisters, we're in a war. But we follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we cut the stuff off of us by the power of the Spirit in prayer and fasting and travail, whatever it takes to get, get free. Now... What did all this represent up here? The stones, the wood, the water, the blood, the animal, the fire falling. Centuries later, 
Long after Elijah went back to heaven in a fiery chariot, he showed up again. He was on a mountain over here. Yeshua went up there with his inner circle, his Peter, James, and John. And Moses showed up. And Elijah showed up. What a meeting that must have been. <laughs> Woo! And Yeshua was transfigured, and the glory of God started shining out through him. Do you know what they talked about? How many of you know what they talked about? Only Luke tells us. He knows. Hallelujah. They talked about the death that Yeshua would accomplish at Jerusalem. If you haven't seen it before, go home and read Luke 9, verse 31. Yeshua talking to Elijah and Moses about how he was going to die for the sins of the world in Jerusalem and what that was going to accomplish. All of this on the altar represented the cross of the Messiah. The blood. He's the innocent victim. He's the lamb who was led to the slaughter for you and me. The water. When that, I, I, was, I was overwhelmed the other day when I was thinking about that Roman sticking that spear into his side. And John was watching it. Who, who put his, a few hours earlier, the day before, had put his head on his, on his chest. And, and, and blood and water came out. It's what this altar is all about. So if you or, or, or I, if we neglect the altar of the Lord, it means we're not running to Yeshua. Not only was he crucified for us, but the word of God says, I have been crucified. It's no longer I who live. Messiah lives in me. The life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's Galatians 2.20. God wants us, every one of us, to have a restored altar, a prayer closet, a prayer place. And it's all about going to the cross, saying, I have been crucified with Messiah. Listen, it's... There's this wonderful song, this ancient song. It goes like this. It's about the wonderful cross, Slav. And it says this. Come and die that you might truly live. That's the gospel. I was lost in New York. I was trying to do it on my own. But I met him, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he started to put to death all the old garbage I was doing. But we need to run to him. Run to the altar. Meditate on him. Sing the great songs. I put earphones on and I, I worship him from the, some of the great songs. I take a little notebook. I write down. I come home and tell my wife what he told me. In the last days that we're in, when you read in Ezekiel the 40th chapter. It's all about this amazing temple. And God has, God's measuring it everywhere. I think, he's, I think he's measuring our worship. And there's a whole lot of priests in that place. Arbe Kohanim. They're living in different rooms. They all have different things to do. 
But some of them are only outside the holy place. They're doing all, they're Levites, but they're doing all kinds of things out there. And God says in, in Ezekiel 44, they shall not come near me. Look, there are people out there doing all kinds of religious stuff. But he says the sons of Tzadok, the sons of Zadok. There's an end time Zadok priesthood. And you know where they are? They're at the altar. The other ones aren't even in there. But though they're doing stuff, they're busy. And they, are, they have the blood all over them. They're doing their animal sacrifices. They wear linen garments with, with no wool, no mixture, and there's no sweat. They're walking in the spirit. They are not walking in the flesh. You know why? They live at the altar. They have a lifestyle of walking the crucified life. God forbid that we should glory except in the cross of Yeshua. Hallelujah. It, it's the only message. It's what you need. It's what I need. It's what Islam needs. It's what our nation needs. That we can come. We have an altar. Hallelujah. It's what he did for. What a kind of amazing love is this? That he would do that for you and me? I often think of Elijah standing there listening to him. Is that what the altar was all about? And Moses, you mean when I killed those animals and I took that blood and threw it all over the people? When, when, you, were, when you were giving us the Ten Commandments and the whole nation said, we shall obey? Then they turned around and worshipped a golden calf and, and abandoned your altar. And it's all about you dying for us? Live at the altar. Now, the river flows here in varying depths, the river of his presence. And we pay a price for it. Our, they, they work hard. <laughs> they get on their faces to get songs. And Danny and Peter and I, we preach the cross, the crucified life. All of him and none of me. Hallelujah. But in order, in order to get into that flow of the river of life, when you study Ezekiel 40 through 47, oh, we, we love to talk about being in the river up to our ankles, up to our knees. Up, oh, just be flowing in the river. And don't get in any swamp over here. There's snakes and stuff. But stay in the middle of the river. I have a question for you. Where's the river come from? comes from the altar. Go reread Ezekiel 47. It comes from the altar. The Zadok priesthood. Woo! <laughs> they are at the altar. They are worshiping in spirit and in truth. Priests first minister to him, then to other people. They get filled with him, and then they got something to give people. It's these guys. It's this end time part of the body they're at the they're living at the altar they're living at the place of change and transformation not only that they want to go there and die they finally get this to, to the place that says enough of me i need more of him you know that shaul saul he built an altar to himself 
on Carmel. Did you know that? Yeah, it wasn't this Carmel. It was one further south. He built an altar to himself. If we're not worshiping the altar of God, we're worshiping an altar of self. You know, the power that we all long for, the power over sin, to, to cut off, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Shaul, Paul says, when I was young, I thought this way. I did these stupid things. But now that I've matured, he says, I cut our gale. I cut off my old ways. It's a great word. He cut off the way he used to live so they could live at the altar and have the river of life flowing through him. It's the source. A lot of people run around trying to find sources other places. The source of life is coming to the cross. It's the reason Elijah had the power. He lived it. He, he lived at an altar. Why do you think Elisha wanted to follow him? I believe Elisha was there that day. All Israel was up there. He must have seen it as a kid when the fire fell. He lived over there near Beit Shan on the Jordan River. He could have seen the fire fall from his farm. But he, when, when he cut up that animal and gave a barbecue and said goodbye to his parents, I've often thought, I've often thought about his Jewish mother, as I happen to live with one, and it's wonderful. They really care about their kids. I've often wondered, did Mrs. Uh, Elisha's mother, we hear his father, we don't hear about his father, we don't hear anything about the mother. Was she saying, what are you going to eat? Where are you going? Well, you're following him? That guy lives in caves. Where will your food come from? Here, at least take a visa card. How are you going to... And he turns around and says, I'm going to live with a guy who lives at the altar. Hallelujah. The altar is the place of communion. And those two guys turned northern Israel upside down for 50 years. Hallelujah. Schools of prophets all over the mountains here. There are prophets running everywhere, anonymous prophets. And it's all because they lived at the altar. Forsaken altars. You don't seek me anymore. Brothers and sisters, seek him. David said, early I will seek you. You know, on the Tayelet, where I pray often, the promenade, there's a pool of running water there. If you've been out there, you've seen it. And there's a statue of a deer drinking from the water. I wonder if the sculptor knew, sculptor knew, as the deer pants for the water, so my heart longs for you. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't want you to have a forsaken altar. It means you're forsaking him. He said to, to Israel, I was crushed by your adulterous heart when you departed from me. Crushed. If you don't have a lifestyle of worshiping at the altar, adultery, spiritual adultery can creep into your heart. He doesn't want 50% of your heart. He wants all of it. Now, as I was praying about this, this come and die that you may truly live, this ancient truth that has been sung by thousands and millions of believers for centuries. He wants to renew the fire in you. Your heart is an altar. It's where he resides. It's where the fire needs to fall. 
but we need to ask him, send the fire. But when you come to the altar, when you, I mean, you really come to him with all your heart. The fire changes you. The river of life is flowing. It's the river of his spirit. It's the river of forgiveness. It's the river of cleansing. It's the river of mercy. It's the river of love. Love so amazing that he would do this for you and me, that we might have transformed lives. Let's bow our heads. Lord, forgive us for our forsaken altars, the weeds that have grown up, unattended, neglected. God, help us, Lord. Put this word in our heart. Your word is a fire. Your word is a hammer. Lord, break some stones. Speak to your people that we would want to run to your altar. We want to live at your altar in communion with you. Communion is where the power is. Communion is life. Life everlasting. New life. Now, Lord, you spoke to us this morning. You said the dawn is breaking. We hear you. I hear you. I believe you. I think the dawn is breaking for people who have neglected their altar. Now is the moment to renew your covenant relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Yeshua. Let's stand. If the Lord is speaking to you,